want to play a game. <gasps> Are you ready for this? Listen, <laughs> God damn you. Seriously, I'm sitting there in the theater about to watch <laughs> the movie. And good friend of the show. I'm name dropping him. Brady. I'm patron of the show, Brady. My good boy. My drinking buddy. He's sitting next to me. And he keeps fucking doing that in my ear. <laughs> and he's doing that. And then the stupid line from the... I'm not even going to get into it. But yes, thank you, Loisos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast. I don't know what day this is going to be released. And we stopped doing dates on the openings of these shows a long time ago. So whenever you're hearing this, welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here for our review of Spiral from the Book of Saw, or as I'm calling it, Spiral from the Book of Wokeness. Because this movie be woke as a motherfucker, Loisos. Indeed. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we both had an opportunity to see the movie in theaters, which is a pretty crazy thing to think. I don't think this is probably the first time in a long time where we've both seen the movie we're reviewing on the big screen. Am I right? Now think I'm hard. trying to think. <laughs> Look at his face, ladies and gentlemen. If you could see his face. Godzilla versus Kong? Yeah. Uh, okay, there it is. That was, so... <laughs> Listen, that was like a month or so ago, so I already forgot. Feels like a year ago. It, it really does, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty awesome, and it's definitely awesome to see more people coming out to the theater. Um, unfortunately, not as many people are going out for Spiral. It looks like, with a budget of twenty million, only about twelve million so far domestic. Mm, yeah. It didn't really light the, <laughs> it didn't really light the theaters on fire, if you will. With, uh, but I mean, it, it's kind of strange. Usually the Saw movies, when I was still seeing them in the theater, um, I think I watched uh, up to part four in theaters. They were like in October. It was like an event every October, you know, Um, and it's just being kind of shoved in in May, which is strange. But I know that had to be rescheduled and everything due to COVID. But doesn't it feel like a strange time to release a Saw movie to you? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think it was originally scheduled for October, and then it was moved to May, and then COVID happened, and then it got delayed a full year. It's just a weird time for theaters in general, and I think studios are still trying to figure out what the best strategy is for releasing a film in this current landscape. Yeah, I could agree with that 100%, but as I said, it was cool being in a theater again. It feels good to get back into the swing of things and be seeing new movies in theaters and feeling a little bit more safe. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's been a long time since we've checked in with our listeners and kind of just hung out without covering whatever movie we're talking about right from the get go. So how are you, dude? I mean, and I'm being honest about this because I never fucking see you. So I'm actually asking like, how are you? What have you been up to? (laughs) Uh, Busy. I mean, if I'm not working or, you know, balancing work with life with my partners, uh, I'm either watching a movie or working on the podcast, you know, since taking over editing uh, the show, I kind of have my, my hands full a little bit. And also we're pumping out Patreon content like, like never before. So Um, we just put out a segment of epic previews for patrons for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and I'll play a little sneak preview of that at the end of this episode. But, um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been crazy. And aside from that, I mean, adult shit, I did my taxes today. 
literally waiting until the very last moment <laughs> to do my taxes. It wouldn't be you if you didn't wait till the last minute. I swear to God, <laughs> your car will be about to break down and you'll be like, oh, I need to fix the car. <laughs> like minutes before it breaks down. That's just that's how you always. That's how I've be. been, man. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. Taxes aside, because I, I asked how you were doing. I didn't want you to bore me to fucking death here. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you talk about what you have going on, because you have uh, an interesting story that I think listeners will want to hear uh, about. Well, yeah, a little bit. But I, I was going to say, um, you didn't just see one movie in the theater this past weekend, right? You saw a double feature. I did. Uh, I, I watched Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead as well. And I won't go too deep into that here. No, because, um, yeah, aren't you going to give our, our listeners and viewers something special? Or are you going to give them, like, a yeah, video maybe? you or? know, we have a whole-ass YouTube channel that we're doing absolutely nothing with. And so I figure, uh, you know, maybe I should maybe I should start, you know, putting together some video content. And uh, a video review for Army of the Dead might be in the cards if I get to it. Because we have something, a little something called live stream for the Cure. <laughs> this week that we may have mentioned once or twice on the show um, that is very true that, that, and that starts this week on well, the 19th yeah if you're listening to this uh the live stream for the cure is probably already happening. going yeah already so going on yeah we're gonna be balls deep in that pretty soon um i get my second covid shot tomorrow so we'll see how we'll see how things pan out but That's if not right, yeah. if not if not an uh, if not a video review then i'll put together a little a little something at least or or maybe we'll wait until i actually get to see it i was really excited to to try to see it this last weekend in the theater um but yeah you know back in the day i mean like a year and a half ago i would see three movies on the weekends in theaters but it just felt like kind of a weird thing to go to the movies more than once in one week but we've all got a lot going on um but yeah in terms of live stream for the cure ladies and gentlemen we've been running the promo um and this is the fifth annual live stream for the cure it will take place from the 19th through the may 23rd over 50 hours live on the air we'll be joined by podcast partners and content creators from around the world to raise fifteen thousand dollars for the cancer research institute the money goes to immunotherapy research and to their goal of a future immune to cancer. So as we've been doing this every single year, it's like just that one part of the year that you get really excited to be doing awesome stuff with awesome collaborators and content creators and other podcasts and offer an amazing cause. So yes, as you're listening to this, it's going on, man. Nick's starting another day early this year. So yeah, we um, gotta, we gotta give a shout out to uh, former co-host of the show, but forever an Epic film guy, Nick, who, you know, he just puts a tremendous amount of blood, sweat, and tears into making this event happen every year. And each year it grows bigger and bigger than what we ever would have imagined. And it's all thanks to uh, you listening out there. Your effort and your support has helped us grow. Our amazing friends in the podcasting community. You know, so many awesome people are involved in this. Two Peas on a Podcast, uh, Netflix and Swill, The Countdown. I mean, all, all of our friends that we've met. Uh, through years of doing this show are, are involved and it's, it's just going to be a blast. And, you know, we're all working hard to raise money and kick cancer's ass. So live stream for the cure.com people put, you know, I'm going to put the web link in the description for this episode, go and support a good cause. Fuck. Yes, please do. So we are excited. Um, in terms of like segments that we're going to pop up in, um, anything goes, <laughs> anything goes. And, and saucy and I are too, uh, too lazy to tell each other what the other ones are doing so we don't really know like i said i never fucking see this kid ladies and gentlemen ever i see his face on here he's a busy man these days um but i myself 
Yes, to segue into that thing that you mentioned a few moments ago. I did something really fucking awesome this past weekend. I can't give details, um, but we have talked about this every year on the show, I think for the last couple of years. One of our staples around the Halloween season, one of our favorite things literally ever created that has to do with the season of Halloween, the WNUF Halloween special from 2013. It's a comedy horror film, and it's amazing. It's legit like the best fucking thing ever. And I had the opportunity to be in the sequel this last weekend. They were filming outside of Baltimore. And um, another thing that was supposed to happen before COVID ruined everything for everybody. Um, I had signed on to be an extra and did not want to miss the opportunity to be a part of something so fucking radical. And it finally happened. So I got both shots. I've been good for a while. Uh, I know you got yours coming up tomorrow, you said. So um, I'm crossing my fingers for you because my second shot fucked me up for all of like six hours. And then I was out drinking right after that. So. It didn't bother me too bad. <laughs> I guess I not. The, and I went to the gym the next day, so I was, I was good. But yes, um, when we get closer to the release of WNUF Halloween Special Part 2, I'll dive in a little bit deeper. Um, but I got to be in costume, uh, and it had to do with Halloween. I can say that much. So uh, just no spoilers yet, but it was fucking awesome. Uh, not only to just be around awesome people, that love Halloween and uh, doing a Halloween themed thing with us. It just felt great to be back on a film set and just, you know, creating something uh, just amazing feeling. So yes, I'm super happy for you, dude. I mean, Chris, who is making the film, he's such a good guy was super gracious when we screened the film on Halloween night uh, for Alamo draft house film club uh, a a few years ago. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy that you get to be a part of it. Um, I can't wait to see the film whenever it's released. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it when it's released because we've been a champion for, for that film for the longest time ever since we saw it. So uh, yeah, I mean, kudos to you. That's just a terrific way to spend a Saturday night and I'm happy for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I couldn't be more thankful and appreciative for that opportunity. Um lot of cool people like i said things are getting back to normal it's time to be happy put a smile on your face and like i said if it has anything to do with my favorite season of the year and my favorite holiday halloween i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get in there deep with my (laughs) pumpkin pail and maybe a few drinks and whatever fucking some horror music but on that subject horror it's been a long time since we've actually reviewed a new horror movie to land in theaters and we are talking about Spiral from the book of Wokeness or Saw, the ninth installment in the Saw series. Now, it's kind of weird doing <laughs> this review without Epic Film Guy, Nick. And yes, once and forever, always an Epic Film Guy. Um, he'll just pop on here whenever he feels like it at this point in his career, which is cool with us. Always great for him to join us on in reviews. But he's the Saw guy. He's really the Saw guy on this show. He's seen every single one of them in theaters. Even when Jigsaw came out a few years ago, he covered it on the show. And you and I, who attempt to claim ourselves as being horror fanatics and, you know, the people that cover horror on this show, we didn't even fucking see it. (laughs) So he had seen it. He covered it. Um, But Lois House, leading up to this, you did a thing. You decided to revisit all of the Saw movies. Did you get through all of them? That's right. Yeah. In in preparation for 
for Spiral, I, I've been spending the past few weeks watching through the entire Saw series. I'd only seen the first three. So just to familiarize myself with the franchise's tropes and mythology, um, and as I discovered, the mythology is extremely dense. There are so many tangled plot threads and, and twisted timelines throughout the films. And um, it has a very rigid continuity, but it just gets more and more convoluted with each installment. You know, things are things that are set up in Saw 3 don't pay off until Saw 6 and so on. So um, it, it's a ride. It's a, it's a wild ride and it's very intricate. So when the trailer for Spiral first premiered a year and a half ago, again, it seems like a lifetime ago, but it, it's, right, it does. It does. It took me by surprise because here was the fact that we were getting a film that appeared peripheral to this dormant horror franchise that by all accounts had exhausted its creative possibilities was intriguing. And from the trailer, it appeared that very bold and stylistic and it even had some unexpected talent involved. I mean, Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson in a Saw movie, like what a bizarre meeting of minds. So, uh, you know, after watching all eight films now, um, I was even more game for Spiral because I thought that the series could could use a completely fresh coat of paint, so to speak. Yeah, and I swear to God, I, I was imagining this in my head as I walked out of the theater after I finished the film. I just picture Chris Rock in his gigantic fucking mansion watching Saw movies and like, yo, I want to make a Saw movie and call up whoever the fuck it was, his agent or something. Be like, yo, make me executive producer. I want to be in a Saw movie. And like, that's what happened. That's how this <laughs> began. That's why they were like, yo, Chris Rock wants to make a Saw movie. And they got people together. He's executive producer on this shit. Um, and they made a Saw movie with Chris Rock as the main character. It's extremely interesting. It's definitely not his wheelhouse because he's definitely by far one of the best comedians of his era of his generation he's known for funny and i've never watched anything with him in it where i didn't enjoy at least his performance or him as a character um and before we get into that though i mean voice house i know this is your job on this show if there's any way you can sum up to people that aren't familiar with what this movie's supposed to be if you could tell them that little description thing that you usually do yeah absolutely uh, working in the shadow of his father, an esteemed police veteran, played by Samuel L. Jackson, brash detective Ezekiel Zeke Banks, played by Chris Rock, and his rookie partner take charge of a grisly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly entrapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. Mm-hmm. So, I will come out right from the get-go and say that for the most part, this is probably the most fun I've had watching a new Saw movie in a long, long time. Now, unlike Saucy and a few other people I know that watched a bunch of the other movies or all of them leading up to this, I have not seen a Saw movie, I don't think, since part four. Um, that was the last one I've seen in theaters, and I think that's the last one I've actually sat through from start to finish. I, I honestly can't remember, but they used to be event films. They used to be kind of like what the Friday the 13th films were in the 80s. You know, you knew every October you'd be getting another Saw movie, and you kind of just went. You know, it wasn't even necessarily that you were excited for the movie itself. You knew you'd see some blood, some gore, and it was a horror movie 
in October and you knew you were probably going to grab some drinks either before or afterward, maybe have a date and whatever else may happen after that, you know, it's up <laughs> to you. But I mean, like, I like that this movie felt fresh. There was something different here. Um, and my first impressions dude, Chris Rock was definitely a great choice. I was laughing my ass off. I can't recall ever laughing or really enjoying myself to that level with any of the other Saw movies in terms of entertainment value. Yeah, I, I admire Chris Rock trying to flex his acting muscles. Obviously, being known for comedy, I was interested to see what he would do in a more serious or subdued role. I don't know if the comedic monologues that he goes on in this are entirely within the tone of the movie or what the tone the movie is trying to go for. Um, it seems like a little bit like he's testing out stand-up material, like he's workshopping oh, for sure, <laughs> through dude. some stand-up 100%, material. 100%, dude. Um, but he's good in the movie. Um, but he's an asshole. I recognize that Chris Rock's character is meant to be like a vessel for the film's themes about police accountability and all that, but his character is just grating. And he's a prick. Like, his character is a total prick in the movie. Eh, so am I, so I can kind of relate to his character. <laughs> I know I, you I mean, can. I'm just saying, um, and, and, and to your point, I think a lot of the stuff he was spouting off of the mouth with, his dialogue, I think that was just ad-libbed. Oh, he's that He's that kind of guy. I mean, dude, for, for a genius, uh, a stand-up comedian that he is, you know he a lot of that shit, he was working out on the set, and I think that's where some of the magic is and maybe some of the stuff that falls flat. I didn't laugh at everything, um, but I did laugh at a lot of it and I got to get into this. I mean, this movie was written um, a long time ago, way before people were as woke as they are now. <laughs> Maybe it's slightly indirect, but there is some dialogue. There's that whole sense of dirty cops in which almost all of them are white in the movie that do bad things. And there's this sense of revenge for that. Yeah. I mean, the, I think it's entirely intentional, the the motivations of the film. I think even though it was written and shot before the height of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and George Floyd's murder, this is definitely a message movie designed to reflect the now and something that's been happening, um, you know, corruption in the police department. We are in a time where the issue of police brutality is at the forefront and the film often uses, you know, wince-inducing imagery to hammer that social commentary home. The traps in the movie, and we'll get into the traps, but um, Jigsaw's original idea was that the traps were designed for rehabilitation. But since the killer's modus operandi, it's revealed in the movie, is to exact revenge, um, he's basically of the belief, he or she, they not not saying you know not, you not already did boy sauce you already did we're gonna we're gonna really do our best to not spoil this um it but, seems as though saucy doesn't want to go spoiler but i want to go spoiler uh, they're basically of the belief that that cops are beyond help and the whole system needs to be dismantled from the ground up the ending is particularly clever in conveying that shoot first ask questions later ideology that a lot of cops take and I, I it really ends the movie on a shocking note that feels like classic saw so i think that the movie could have done more with the idea but i think the basic framework is there and i give it kudos for attempting something deeper than your average horror flick yeah i mean i can definitely agree with all of that i do have some issues here and you had mentioned the traps now these are a staple in this series that's what you go to see these movies for is 
what kind of interesting and intricate traps these people are going to be put in, seeing them try to get out of them, and the gore when they're unable to do so. Um, and for me, like, only one in this movie, Saucy, really did it for me. The movie opens, and we see a cop at, like, a 4th of July carnival. He ends up getting attacked and tied up. And we see this figure wearing a pig mask. And that's like, well, there it is. That's what this movie's all about. There's that imagery that we know. And I don't know how far we want to go into the information on these kills. But Saucy, what did you think of the open? Because the movie opens right up with this. It kind of starts with a big bang. What did you think of the first trap slash K-I-L-L? Well, the Saw films tend to open on an opening trap, one that kind of sets the mood of the movie, even if it's not necessarily related to the actual plot of the movie. It really helps kind of set the overall tone of the movie and give you your helping of blood and guts right away. Um, I think that overall the traps were satisfying. Despite their brutality, though, they really didn't linger as long as most of the other traps in the franchise. It's A lot of them seemed rushed. The opening is very well done. Uh, there's, you know, a kill involving a glass compactor later on, one involving hot wax. There's one, the, the famous finger trap that's particularly squirm-inducing. Um, but my problem with these traps and the film overall is that there's zero dread or suspense. Uh, you mentioned the opening with the, the pig mask killer. It uses that same jump scare four or five times. It's the same exact scare every single time, and it becomes monotonous. When you have a cop that ends up on their own, and they're wandering a dark corridor, you know exactly what's going to happen to them. Yeah, and the other the issue that I have with this is, is there's an obvious homage to Fincher here and Seven, and they were trying to incorporate or induce a level of class into this thing. Like, you know, it seems like right now everyone's trying to do Fincher and I get it. Seven's a classic. So while we're seeing a new Saw movie and even a new Batman movie trying to be a Fincher movie, it doesn't always necessarily work. And here there are great shots in this movie. There are scenes that look like it's from a better movie than it is. But when it gets to the kills, uh, director Darren Lynn Bowsman, known for two, three, and four. Which Saw three movies. is the goriest. I, I felt queasy after watching Saw 3. It's so protracted. The the suffering that the characters go through, you can feel Ooh, it in your yeah. bones. And, and the torture scenes go on for quite some time, which is why this one felt strangely toothless. And it's a tricky balancing act because you have to please the fans of the franchise as well as establish Spiral as its own entity. So... You mentioned the visual aesthetic. It's much smoother in this one, particularly in the camera work and the color scheme. There was an attempt to give it a little bit of stylization. There's liberal use of Dutch angles to make it, just to give it a little bit more style. But, you know, the film also occasionally drifts into the quick editing, the quick cuts. Which I hated. That the Saw That's films a, yeah, yeah, are yeah, infamous yeah. for. You know, just... Saw 2, 3, and 4 are full of, you know, those... Uh, speed up, slow down, camera movements. And um, so it it is a balancing act. And I'm not exactly sure the film was able to, you know, overcome kind of being tethered to those aspects from the past. It kind of, it kind of dated the movie a little bit. It definitely dated the movie. And, and that was my point is that this movie for the most part is trying to have 
a more glossy look, but try to look gritty and modern. But then it still looks like when it gets to the kills and the traps, like it's another Saw movie from 2006, like fucking shaky cam and super overly stylized close-ups and, as you said, Dutch angles and the whole fucking nine yards. I mean, I was at a point where I was like, if you're going to go serious here, when it gets to the death, go serious. Like they weren't fun in the sense of like lighthearted, like, yeah, like these kinds of kills aren't really fun to watch. It's not like a slasher where you're like, yes, it acts in the head. Yeah. You cheer when you see a naked chick running away and she gets an ax in the back or a machete to the face or whatever it may be. These are supposed to be more mean spirited. They rush through them. Maybe they were longer and the MPAA made them cut them down. I don't know. Maybe they're like, fuck these saw movies. Like we've had enough of these, you know, I mean the level of shit we've seen in the other ones, it's insane. They allowed that stuff in considering the nature of the tone of the movies themselves, where they're not like silly tongue in cheek slashers. They are gruesome, serious deaths. I mean, they call the Saw series torture porn for a reason. Um, But I just wish that the kills and the traps, if you will, took longer or more methodical, as you said a few moments ago, had a sense of dread and suspense. They don't build up very well. It's like we see the person get trapped or they fall into a hole or whatever happens. The next thing you know, they're there. The shit's happening to them. And they get killed off pretty easily. Get yeah. killed off, yeah. And then and they're always unmemorable characters too. They're not not a single one of them. Maybe one later on or two, we'll say, are characters that they invest any time in to make you care about them with any kind of backstory or anything like that. They're just like placeholders. And I get it. That's what these movies are supposed to do. You know, a kill count movie. Saws are that they're they they're within that genre as well yeah the saw films eventually gave up on trying to make you sympathize with the people involved in the traps or make you even understand them they're just fodder to be tortured and killed um i would have liked to have seen spiral be more character driven and it kind of attempts to be it does it tries to yeah samuel jackson's character seems like an afterthought i feel like he was just there for marquee value because they build up this father-son dynamic, or should I say they don't really build up the father-son dynamic, but it's there. It it needed fleshing out because that's what really would have made the ending for me much more impactful. But Samuel L. Jackson just disappears from the movie for a while, and then he reappears, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's in this. He's, he's in this, yeah. I mean, the movie's a brisk 93 minutes. So, I mean, Too I brisk. feel like... It- I feel like if the movie was a little bit longer, maybe even fucking 10 minutes longer, we could have got a lot more out of our characters. If you're going to cast someone like Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson and have them together, that's screen gold, man. You just, you want to see those guys together on screen a little bit more than they were. And when they were on screen, it was fine, but it was too quick and we didn't get enough time to really enjoy them. So it was an afterthought, I think, or like you said, Maybe Chris was just like, yo, you want to be in the new Saw movie? And he's like, fuck yeah, sure. How much am I going to get paid? It's like a week's worth of work and it's like two million. And they got him in the movie. You know what I mean? Like it was probably something along those lines, unfortunately. Um, And then we have the dynamic of Zeke and his fellow officers. Now, the backstory here. He did some shit. He said some shit. He unveiled some bad, dirty cop stuff and due to that he kind of broke the cop bond that they have together like that secret code if you will um you're not supposed to snitch on other cops you know so 
he's kind of looked at as this rogue asshole cop that no one really likes. He's he's going through a divorce. And then, of course, a classic 80s cop movie cliche. They they shove a fucking young rookie partner on his side, which I kind of liked that. I was like, also training day, another reference there for that. But I liked that element. I was like, okay, cool. Um, But then we have Max Minghella play this character of Deputy Shank, and they don't really give them much to do either. I mean, they're good together um, in the scenes that they're in, but it doesn't really last either. It's another failed opportunity for a relationship. I don't know. What did you think of his performance? I thought his performance was good. Again, there there are aspects that I like. There are aspects that I want to see developed that just weren't. And I don't know whether the film needed to be more focused, whether it needed to be longer. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but overall, you know, the film has ideas, but only kind of. It has the character relationships, but only kind of. You know, the ideas that the movie does have, they pay off, but only kind of. That, that was kind of the frustration I had throughout the film, and it kept building as it went on. Another thing that I felt as the film went on was exhaustion, because I know these aren't meant to be relaxing films to watch by any means, but I found it draining because there's just constant angst. The characters are constantly screaming at each other, constantly cussing. And I just felt by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get to the conclusion because there isn't a rise and fall of, of action. It's just kind of like plot, torture scene, plot, torture scene, plot, yeah. torture scene. And there, there's really no building of suspense. It's just at one energy level the entire time. And after 90 minutes, that gets exhausting. I felt the same way about Saw 3, except Saw 3 is two hours, over two hours, as opposed to this being 90 minutes. So I don't know if that's just Darren Lynn Bowsman and his directing. He just wants everyone to be super intense all the time. But by the end of the movie's 90 minutes, I was ready for it to be over. Now, Going through all these movies, so you did watch Jigsaw prior to watching Spiral. I did, yeah. Okay, because the Spiring Brothers apparently were going to come back to direct Spiral, but eventually opted out. So how was Jigsaw like in comparison to this? Was it better? Was it better directed? Was it more enjoyable or was it just more of the same shit? It got rid of the quick cuts and the crazy editing entirely. It was a much more... um measured movie in terms of the presentation of it the the twist that they introduce at the end is absolutely ludicrous it makes no sense and it's the it's the same twist that you see four other times in the franchise it was just diminishing diminishing returns and i appreciate what the spirit brothers were trying to do with it i love the change in setting it takes place in a, a rusty barn as opposed to a filthy bathroom or a basement like the other films do um, so I liked the change of setting. I liked uh, a lot of the traps were interesting and unique. Um, so there was something there. Again, it didn't quite reach its full potential like Spiral. Um, so it's frustrating. I feel like the the rest of the series is kind of an albatross for, for whatever new take they have on the series because they feel like they have to connect it somehow to, to the original Saw, whether it's in terms of its story like Jigsaw or stylistically here. Um, and that's something that I want to touch on too, is there is a twist. There is a reveal of who the killer is. And I don't want to say who exactly it is, but this twist feels very lazy and predictable. Bro, when, when I the fucking film, knew it immediately. <laughs> when the film is flashing back 
like oh, the Saw films prior, when it's flashing back to scenes from earlier, as if it's like one of the same mind-blowing revelations from the previous entries, when in reality, it's been hilariously obvious the whole time, there's no impact and it's just it really lackluster because there's only really two options of who it could be and you're like no they're setting it up as if it's the most obvious choice because then they're going to give you the unpredictable choice when the killer is actually revealed later on but no it's just no who you think it is it, the it's whole the laziest shit ever i mean there are scenes that are so blatant about it that you're like oh it's him or her or whatever you know whoever whatever right. they are right whatever um or whatever it is. I'm trying my hard here. I'm so used to spoiling everything. <laughs> Fuck me, Lois. But no, I mean, um, it, it's predictable. Not that that's a terrible thing, because in these movies, um, I'm very rarely actually surprised. I think the first one, as we were talking pre-show a little bit, the first Saw movie was amazing. And that twist, one of the as best, you said. One of the best yes. of all time. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. And when I saw it for the first time, I jumped out of my seat. I had rented that shit. From Video King, when Video King still was in existence, God rest its soul, I fucking miss you, Video King. Here, it's more of the same, but a fresh blanket put over it, if that's a good way to describe it. I liked Rock in the movie. I liked that it was centered around his character, and it was a slightly different thing that we hadn't seen before. But he's just in the mix of the same shit we've already seen. I did think the ending... Uh, for the most part, was very impressive in how it was set up, uh, the production design, the ending trap, if you will, was very creative, and I liked all of that. I think that was really good. But the reveal and the killer themselves d- lacked menace to me, um, lacked any real impact. And the unfortunate thing is, is this movie set itself up pretty well uh, with a lot of potential for sequels. Like, hey, I might want to watch more of these. Like, this was pretty entertaining for the most part i would watch more movies like this with chris rock and other characters if they actually flesh them out more develop them more um but with this individual or individuals at the helm of you know jigsaw's legacy eh, not really sure i care to see any more of that but the interesting thing that could happen is maybe they could pass it along and, and do more of you know who is the killer or who are the killers and they could just be a guessing game each time Yeah, and we talked about this in pre-roll too, but that's really the only thing they can do with the franchise at this point is do copycat killer because they've already exhausted the Jigsaw had an accomplice that you didn't know about the entire time twist. So really the only thing they can do is a copycat killer. And really that only works for so many movies before it starts getting old. And it's not exactly like they could bring Jigsaw himself back because in Saw 4, they do an autopsy. He's dead. So... I'm surprised at any point they didn't just say, you know, Jigsaw's been alive and that was really his brother that got, you know, killed in Saw 3. Or they could have done any number of things to I was keep waiting for that, Tobin Bell in the franchise. Um, and they found ways to include him anyway in flashbacks and stuff. But Well, this is the first one that they didn't, they didn't do that. You just see one picture. It's the first actual film in the entire series where you don't physically see. Yeah. Tobin that's one Bell thing that movie. we can say is that yeah. for all of you wondering if Tobin Bell's in this movie, he's not in this. Movie. No, he, he wanted to be, he wanted to be cause that's his fucking cash cow, but nope, he's not. And I think if anything to, to piggyback off that, I think it'd be interesting to see a new killer who says Saul has to be all about jigsaw jigsaw's legacy is over bringing a new killer. You know what I mean? Like a new iconic. I mean, some of the, the images in this movie um, 
like, you know, we don't see the original classic puppet from Saw in this movie either, but we do see a new puppet and it's pretty fucking awesome, dude. They're already, they're already taking pre-orders for it at trickortreatstudios.com, obviously. Um, yeah, they're definitely... out a couple days. I mean, the pig, the pig was awesome. I liked the pig puppet. It was really creepy and really well designed. Yeah, there are aspects like that that feel fresh. You know, I think it's wise to have a movie that has only tenuous links to the original Saw movies. You know, this movie has, you know, a new game, a new killer, a new puppet, like you mentioned. The pig motif that is carried throughout the entire franchise. You know, you have the original Saw where um, Jigsaw wears the pig mask. I think it's Saw 4 where they introduce the Chinese New Year of the Pig Parade. You have the pig guts trap in Saw 3. That imagery throughout has kind of been given a new thematic relevance because the killer conflates cops with pigs. You know, that's imagery that's kind of common at this point. But touches like that, I think, are strokes of brilliance. Uh, And that's why I think that this movie is impressive in that sense that it's clever and it kind of gives the series a new kind of motivation to continue especially as it relates to the killer's motivation yeah Uh, unfortunately though it's still kind of beholden to the trappings if you forgive the pun (laughs) of the franchise i think it still falls into a lot of the same plot beats and stylistic tropes i think the film could have benefited from a completely new producing team because the producers Um, have been mainstays of the series. Completely new writing team. The writing team who wrote Spiral also wrote Jigsaw. Completely new director. We mentioned Darren Lynn Bowsman directed three out of the franchise. Um, Just to give it a completely new feel and perspective. I feel that they had the desire to take the series into different territory, but they didn't have the courage to stray too far from formula. Yeah, they didn't have the guts to, to, to go any further than they did. But they know familiarity sells and they know it's the same thing as any other franchise that, you know, kind of gets bogged down by more of the same thing constantly. I mean, listen, I love the Friday the 13th franchise because I get to watch Jason Voorhees brutally murder camp counselors. I don't care how many times I see it as long as it's (laughs) slightly fresh and the kills are brutal. I mean, and they know people want to see the death. Unfortunately, the death in this one is not that great. Um, I'll just say this it's satisfying a, enough. I, uh, I I was satisfied enough by the goriness of the traps. I just felt like they didn't have the impact of the traps. In there you the go. Well, I mean, series. that and again, no build up, no suspense. We already went over that. But there was one kill. And I will say this where I literally jumped for joy. It was absolutely brutal, terrifying. And it had to do with wax, very hot wax on your face. And the way that that scene developed and occurred was brilliant but the rest of it eh eh i'll give it a larry david eh it just <laughs> so, it didn't it didn't wet my whistle so so final thoughts justin on spiral yeah. from the book of saw and your uh, rating out of 10 yeah i mean like um you know i didn't like the fact that it didn't give more of an oomph to the jigsaw character even though they mentioned him twice and that was the end of it there was no real send-off if you will it was just kind of like eh we'll mention him and move along and i know that's what the film needs to do to get itself its own identity but it didn't do it enough um it tried chris rock was very entertaining i enjoyed it for what it was saucy i'm gonna give it a six out of ten i i I think that there was a lot more it could have done a lot more it could have been and it's a slightly missed opportunity but for where it hits it hard and hits it right, it's it's pretty good. So six out of ten for me. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Even though I thought the film was decent, uh, the potential for a completely reinvigorated take on the franchise, I think, is still kind of left untapped. Um, There were frustrating things that kept taking me out of the world of the film. For example, there are several moments where it flashes back to several years ago, and how they differentiate the characters' ages and make them appear younger is that they have Chris Rock wearing a backwards baseball cap, and Samuel L. Jackson (laughs) is wearing this comically fake 70s porn stash. Yeah, and I burst out laughing. So overall, I think it was a watchable film and a solid effort, if not a slam dunk. Um, I'm also going to give it a six out of ten rating for Spiral. God damn you! Sorry, oh God. <laughs> we're just so Listen, simpatico. Uh, yeah, one of these days, one of these days. But yeah, so that is it for Spiral from the book of motherfucking wokeness, <laughs> which is what it is. Uh, but you know, like I said usually that kind of shit would bother the hell out of me and annoy me, but here it just fit in well. Yeah. Not heavy handed at all, but yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the series, you have to see this. Like we're definitely recommending it. If you're a fan of the the franchise and I think people need to get out there and support horror, you know what I mean? So go out to the theater, check it out. If this is your kind of thing, if it's not, I'm sure it'll be streaming in like two fucking weeks or something somewhere. Yeah, I'm um, not. Uh, I'm not opposed to seeing more from the Saw franchise. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm a little endeared to it after <laughs> subjecting myself to watching all eight films. Well, I'm glad you actually did because of... I know you questioned whether you should or shouldn't. Well, I'm I don't like, know. After, after Saw three, I was. I was feeling scared i was well, you bought the whole <laughs> you bought the whole set didn't you yeah so i so figured I, say, yeah. I had to but but i felt really queasy after saw three i was like i don't know if i can take this if the rest of the movies are on this level of brutality and that's the thing i love gore but when it's protracted like that when there's a 25 minute brain surgery scene that shows the entire thing from beginning to end i don't know if i want to i watch can't that. believe the epic film guy that loves to see kids get decapitated and strangled <laughs> and brutally murdered had an issue with the length of kills in a saw movie but ladies and gentlemen that's it for this week a short mini-sode for y'all we wanted to give you some new content and talk about spiral and a quick shout out and thanks to the studio Lionsgate, for sending all of our awesome participants in their spiral contest that we did on our social media uh digital codes uh for tickets to see the movie in theaters, as well as uh, a handful of lucky winners that are actually going to have swag boxes with sick spiral swag. It looks like uh, from what I was told, uh, possibly hats, backpacks and T-shirts. So fuck. Yeah. Thank you very much to the studio. And thanks to everyone that participated in that contest. We're going to try to do those as they come along from the studio. So we're super thankful uh, for any opportunity we can have to work with those guys. Um, fantastic and thanks for checking that out hopefully you listened to this review and you enjoyed it but if this is your first time if it's the one thousandth time and you're so sick of hearing us say that uh you know we love you we love you we love you we love you in loisos tell them where they can find us on the intranets you can find us on social media facebook twitter and instagram at epic film guys And we can't let this episode go by without thanking our patrons, especially our executive producers, Jared Taylor and Johnny Nye. 
A special shout out to you all. You help keep the wheel spinning. And if there's anyone out there who wants to join us on Patreon, uh, become a supporter of the show. We have tons of awesome perks for you. Early release episodes, exclusive swag, bonus segments, deleted material, so much more. We just did a patron-exclusive Epic Preview segment on Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a clip of which I'm going to drop right here just to give you a little taste of what's in store for you over on Patreon. I'm kind of on Loisos's side here a little bit. Yeah, we're going to be seeing this movie, but dude, this is, I don't think, the version of any of these characters that any one of the single fans that know who they are want to see. It's, it's a frustrating thing because it's coming off to me saucy more like a looney tunes cartoon than a venom movie they're trying to turn it into a funny meme now and and did you notice that they toned down the filters on venom's voice like in the original venom has like this gravelly like evil sounding voice you could barely understand him in the first movie well i'm wondering perhaps they wanted to address concerns that people had about not being able to well, really dude, understand listen, venom let's make this clear okay i don't mean to cut you off but almost every single tom hardy fucking movie that he's ever made including the Al Capone movie that you watched that no one else in the world watched. <laughs> People are like, I can never understand a fucking thing he says in any movie he's in. Bane, and like it's another situation with venom where people were like it was like you know it sounds like he's got like a hundred fucking symbiote dicks in his mouth but that's what helped to add to what little intimidating and sinister presence that he had in the first movie and now he sounds like lewis armstrong (laughs) how dare you speak that ill of the dead one of the most iconic fucking jazz musicians of all time. I mean, he's a legend, but l- watch the Venom trailer again. And <laughs> Dude, He does, though. Now that you mention that, it's hard to like separate the two things because, yeah, that gra- slightly gravelly voice, it just sounds like maybe I smoked a few too many cigars tonight or something. But yeah, like uh, Venom bitching about not getting his chocolate. Come on. Literally. Come on. Dude, no (laughs) one wants this. And that's it. So as we said earlier on, right now is live stream for the cure time for the fifth annual live stream for the cure event. So go over there, head over there right now when you're done with this episode. Check it out. They're taking donations, early donations. Nick's been taken for weeks now. Uh, And we want to take the time to thank all of those of you that have done early donations as well so thanks again for listening to the epic film guys we love you guys and hey if you like what you're hearing head on over to itunes five star review seriously we will love you even more than we already do but that's it for this week and until next time we will see you at the movies